Let's take our text, our Bibles, and turn to the text of John chapter 14. I, I want to read to you something, though, um, here in a moment before we get into our text and to our sermon, deals with sermon. I, we were at Pensacola this week and uh, just really enjoyed ourselves up there, getting to visit the college and seeing some people. Saw one young man. Uh, he came up and said, Pastor Bloom. And I looked at him. Who are you? <laughs> but uh, evidently, way years ago, there uh, I'd preached up there, and, and um, his mother came up and says, "My husband and I want to adopt, and we'd been unsuccessful here, so we was able to get him up the, uh, with get her up with Mrs. Agamite, and Mrs. Agamite was able to find this child, and that was the child. And he says, "I did an introductory uh, in my speech class." I'm going to be in the ministry. He says, I want to be a missionary to Honduras. But he says, uh, it had to be an introductory of somebody who's been very influential on in their life. And he said, Pastor Andy Bloom, I had no idea. I didn't even know him, except I knew that there was a baby. I wouldn't have known to see him in uh, person. But uh, you never know how God's going to use you. That's why I'm saying that. You never know. Uh, so many people have been active in that life. And, and God has touched him uh, through that. Now, another good thing, uh, my grandsons thought, uh, you know, I wanted to take them. I had four of them up there. I wanted to take them out to a, one of those places where they have roller coasters and all that, and we just didn't get to do that. But they rode with me driving at night, and the roller coasters have nothing on that. <laughs> and they learned to pray, I tell you what now. So they did a great job on that. All right, so we did that. Now, I, do, I want to read this thing. I, I don't know if this is something I wrote or something I got, but uh, again, I just want to share it with you. The Bible is a means to bring men to an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God to the point they may know and enter into a deep, personal relationship and personal knowledge of God and with God. In this matter, one learns to delight in his presence. He tastes and he knows the inner sweetness of the very God himself in the core and center of his heart and spirit. Serving him must be with a heart, not a matter of convenience, not a matter of that that does not go outside of the comfort zone physically or in continuum. That person will never know the fullness of intimacy with God. Our title this morning was Hearing God by Faith. But how can you hear Him if you don't know Him? I just shared with you a story of the young man that happened this week. But I would have not known Him if He didn't know who, me, who I was. Wouldn't know anything about that. And you know, you can be saved 
but not really know the Lord intimately. Just know His person. And we're in a day today that without that knowledge, you might endure or have come upon you the greatest trial of faith and you will not be prepared for it. And so that's the way I want to go at it this morning. John chapter 14, uh, we had started there in verse uh, 21 was going to, but I just like all these verses here, so I want to read them to you, beginning with verse 18, because the Lord Jesus is talking to these apostles that he's been walking around with the last three and a half years. And, and so he's getting ready to head to the cross. He knows by that night he will be headed to the cross. And so he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me. How do you see him? By faith. Because I live, ye shall live also. At that day, ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself to us, and not to the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the Comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Now, let's pray. Father, it's important, especially in this day in which we live, that we all have a personal relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It must be real. It must be something that is true in the life of each Christian. But there may be those that that can't be real because they don't have you as their Savior. They don't have the Spirit of God dwelling in them. So Lord, I pray that today would be the day of having things right with you. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen.
the Bible warned us, and really this is written to 2 Timothy, though I'm going to talk about for just a moment here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 7, that there's coming a time to this earth that's going to be tribulational. As a matter of fact, there's going to be times I believe it's going to be hard for the saved before the rapture takes place and then the world is left behind here with seven years of tribulation like this world has never known. But in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, he says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but shall heap, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Their own lust, their own desires. The word lust is not, not only just referring to sexual things as some people think it does in the Bible each time but desires, the things that please my flesh. And he's saying that in the last days, there's going to be these preachers, there's going to be those pastors, there's going to be those evangelists that are going to say things that really appeal to you. You know, I've been in my mind this week is that you hear so often today that, oh, we've got liberty. Oh, we've got grace. Do you know what? Adam had liberty and grace. He could obey God or not obey God. You have liberty and grace to do anything you want. You can go out and kill. You can go out and get drunk. You can go out and do drugs. You can go out and do all of those things. But there is a consequence. Because you have just sinned against an all-holy God. So you need to think this through. When you talk about liberty so that you can feel whatever I feel like doing, why do churches have strobe lights? Why are they rocking and rolling? Why are there ladies up there dancing as if they were on a dance hall floor? Why are they doing those things? It's because they have believed these false prophets and said this is a good thing to do. They've believed the contemporary filthy Doctrine. They have believed the Calvinist filthy doctrine. Well, if you're elected to go, you're going. If you're not elected to go, you'll never go, even if you want to. And you see, that's the way it goes in this day that we live. And so, as we look at this, they will not endure sound doctrine. They want this, make me feel good. And they shall turn their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. I can't help but to think of back in the book of Isaiah. Where he says, the people say, preach not unto us right things. Preach unto us good things. Make us feel good, in other words. Don't tell us what's right. Make us feel good is the idea. Preach unto us that use the word smooth, smooth things. It makes you feel good in your fleshly spirit, but it'll do you no eternal good. And it will weaken, not strengthen, your relationship if you're saved with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he says, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables, that which is not true. 
But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but also to all them who love his appearing. Now look, how does the Apostle Paul endure? We, we looked last week in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 32, and he endured some things that I don't think most of us could endure. But not only that, you went on to chapter 12 and you found out that one of the things the Lord allowed was a messenger of Satan. That is a demon, a devil, if you want to call it, but a messenger of Satan. And he prayed three times for the Lord to remove that message, messenger of Satan, the thorn in the flesh. And the Lord told him, no, my grace is sufficient for you. And Paul learned, leaning on the strength of the Lord instead of his own strength, gave him victory in the most difficult days of his life. He would go on to say in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but the righteousness which is of Christ. You know why that's a good thing? Because when I appear before the Lord, I have failed anything that the Bible has labeled as sin. I have failed. People say, I'm trying to keep the Ten Commandments. You might be trying, but I'll guarantee you you're failing. And let's think, what was, the, what was the greatest commandment of all time? The greatest commandment Jesus asked, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. The second is likened to the first commandment, but it's second in importance, to love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, people say, I have not really sinned. Okay. He said the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Have you always loved the Lord your God with all your heart? Is that what occupies your mind all the time? Do you give your, all your strength just to serving God and obeying Him and doing His will? If you say yes, I can tell you, one of the Ten Commandments you've broken is that about lying. Okay. We've all sinned, come for the glory of God. How many sins did it take for Adam to fall? Just one. Uh, you know, people say, how many, how many times you've got to kill somebody to be a murderer? Just once. How many lies you have to tell to be a liar? Just once. So, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's, that's clear. That's very clear. That's why... If you're going to hear from God, you've got to know the voice of God. And the only way you're going to know the voice of God is through His Word. I can remember back in the 50s, I was just a little guy. And those that are old enough to remember those things, we remember the news, Russia, 
Well, they attack us with atomic bombs. You know, we, we said atomic back then. Now, the, now those are almost child's play compared to what they have today. But we thought it was very uh, sure almost. We, people were building fallout shelters in case the bombs hit, they could go down to those fallout shelters and be safe. And, and, and we had those things going on, and, and, and then we read about the Sputnik. Their little spaceship going up into space. Okay, and they even had bubble gum called a Sputnik. Okay. But one of the things that I remember that stood out to me, for some reason or other, the Lord keeps bringing it back to my mind. Because I didn't hear it just once. I heard it several times as a child, as a boy. Several times, not just once or twice. I heard it in my dad's first church that he pastored the first time in, in, in the 19, uh, middle 1950s, I think 1956, 57, 58, up in the mountains of Tennessee. And I can remember... I can remember them saying, if somebody came in here, because they were talking about communism. You remember back then, those of that age, remember socialism and communism was a bad thing. It still is today, but people think of it as good and try to make it good because they want you to have it. But what I want you to understand is this, is that back in the day, that's a terrible thing, but we thought the possibility is they would try to take over this world. That was the goal, world government. And if they came into your house, they came into the Sunday school teachers, they came into our Sunday school class right now, and they'd say, deny God or die. Would you die for Jesus Christ? The first time you heard that, it was kind of scary. There's little kids, yeah, man, I'd die. But as you begin to think about that over the years, because the next few years I heard that several times in Sunday school classes, not only in that church, but later in the church we had down in Bradenton, Florida, where my dad pastored. And now I look at today. I can remember our years ago, and not that many years ago, to be honest with you, that our United Nations wanted us to surrender our, 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 our sovereignty to them as well as all nations and have a one world government. I, I started looking uh, a few weeks ago into the World Police Organization. They call it Interpol. I've asked different people that may know, might be in the know, several of them. And it started to make sense to me. Well, the World Police Organization can't really arrest anybody, all they do is they, they keep tabs on everyone so that they can work with other police departments around the world, other governments, FBI, CIA, everybody else around the world. But why did they have to fund police this, this past year? Because a one world government will have a world police organization. He said, Pastor, are you been a prophet now? No. Just observing what's going on. 
How can you make everyone receive a mark if it's not unified worldwide? So I'm just thinking of these things that are going on. And I thought of Paul, all those things that he suffered, all those things that he went through. But then he says that I may know him in Philippians 3.10. Wait a minute. Paul? Yo-ho, hello, Paul. What's wrong with you, man? You just went through all that suffering, all of those, all that time, over the years. You've got the messenger of Satan there and the, the, to buffet you, and, and yet you say that I may know him. Don't you know that's the one you're suffering for? Yes, but all that man's poured upon me, I've been able to suffer it because the strength of my Lord and his peace that he left with me is still there. So we've got to ask ourselves, do I have that peace of God? Is it real in me? Now, this word, it's this holy word. The Holy Ghost speaks to us through this word. Every word of God is given by inspiration, meaning it's God-breathed. What happened? Second Peter chapter 1 tells us that holy men of old wrote as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. In other words, every word of this Bible is written. Psalm says it's preserved. Jesus said it's preserved. I don't care what modern day theologians say. I think God is right and they're wrong. This is the preserved Word of God. We have it here in this King James Bible. It is God's preserved Word, regardless of what men say. It is God's preserved Word. Just think of this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, the same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And who was life? He that was the Word. He that was God. And that light, that light is the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness. How did the light shine in darkness? Well, verse 14 of that same chapter, John chapter 1. And the Word was made flesh. The Word that was God. The Word that was from everlasting to everlasting. The Word without whom was not anything made that was made in John 1, 9. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. No man has seen God at any time but the only begotten of the Father. The only begotten Son of God, that is. He hath declared him. Jesus is the written, is the living word. The Bible is the written word, and there is no contradiction between the two. They're exact. They go together. And so the Holy Ghost spoke through his word. Men heard that. They had to be holy men. They couldn't be just any old guy. They had to be holy men, and they wrote as they, the Holy Ghost laid it on their heart. 
Now, I'm going to say some things here. I believe they're right because it's based on the Word of God. I know by the Word of God I'm to preach the Word. You are to hear the Word. Give attendance, reading Timothy, to prophesying, to preaching. But it's not just that. You are to read and meditate in the Word as well as I am. You are to come to preaching faithfully, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the matter of some is. Be faithful to God's house. Now you have liberty not to be, but there's a consequence. There's liberty not to receive Christ as your Savior, but there is a consequence. So again, understand, be there for preaching. Be there for Sunday school there. Be for revival meetings, missions conference. Be there where the Word of God is going to be taught and preached. Have personal devotions. Now, if you're not going to have that personal daily walk with God, you're not going to be in the Bible on a daily time, you're not going to go to church, you're not going to be uh, affected by those things, what I want you to know is that if you are truly saved, you have the Holy Spirit of God indwelling you. But, when you do that, here's what you're doing as a Christian to God's Holy Spirit. You are quenching Him and you are grieving Him. Two commandments we're told not to do. The Holy Spirit came to indwell us at salvation the very moment. Oh, but Satan, he parades as an angel of light and he wants to get you away from full, total commitment to Christ. Jesus said when he made his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, verse 17, he said to the Father, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. That was the written word and the living word. We're told in our text and later in John chapter 16 that the Holy Spirit that would be given them would teach them and bring all things back to their remembrance. You know what's so interesting about that? The, the apostles had walked with Jesus for three and a half years and they, they, I tell you what, they got a lot of teaching. They learned a lot. But there were things they could not know in the depths of their inner man until they actually had the Spirit of God indwelling them to open their understanding. He will teach you things to come, the Bible says. But you've got to walk with God. How do I walk with God? I'm in His Word, I'm thinking on it, I'm meditating on it, and I'm obeying it. Some of you teenagers, some of you young men, some young ladies, you'll be determining, what do I want to do with my life? It's not going to be your parents. I'm not a daddy-called preacher, I'll tell you that right now. I'm a God-called preacher. 
I had a godly daddy, but I'm not a god. I'm not a daddy called preacher. God told you to obey your parents. That's a great thing. That's a right thing because God said it was. Obey them in the Lord. In the Lord, yeah. Obey what they say to do unless it contradicts the Word of God. Hey, son, let's go out and get drunk. You don't obey. Let's go out and do drugs. You don't obey. There are just certain things you don't obey God in, uh, obey your dad in. But you do obey God in everything. And God may be calling you to a secular job. He may be calling you to a, a, a mission field. He may be calling you to so many different things that are out there. Why? Well, you say, to a secular job? Why? He put you here as a light in the world. But let me tell you something. It'll be hard to stand. It'll be hard to stand if you're not walking with God. His word is not in your heart and mind. And one of the reasons you know the voice of God, you want God's voice to be as familiar to your ear, to your, yourself as your wife's voice is, your spouse's voice is to your ear. And the way that's going to be happen is that you get to know him. You get to know his person through his word. You walk with him each day. Look, I get things asked of me that I have, I can't recall a scripture that would go with that. But I can say, no, don't do that for one reason. God is holy. And I can say, that goes against the holiness of God. Now, folks, speaking on my authority means absolutely nothing. He wants to sanctify us through his truth. See the heart of Jesus giving us his spirit that we may know him and he may open to us the understanding of his word. So, Hebrews 10, 25 if we're going to obey the word, then he's going to tell us to not forsake the assembly of ourselves together. You know what? When I, when I was out there for a few weeks after, at the time in the hospital, the stroke and all that, I sat at home and watched services. Man, it wasn't like being here. I almost felt guilty not being here. I knew I couldn't be here, but boy, you just, I want to be there. But what about other things? You're my witnesses, saith the Lord. We're to witness. 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16, not fashioning yourselves, that is not emulating. Why, why is it rock and roll in church? Because they are emulating the world and putting Jesus' name to it. That's another Jesus, not the holy Jesus of the Bible. And what I'm saying to you is that you get these things here and you get to obey God in these things and know His Word and know His person, then you're looking forward to carrying these things out. Now, I've got to say this. It's important for a Christian to hear the voice of God. that we can know him more intimately. Let, let me just do, I hadn't planned to do this, but I'm going to do this anyway. How many of you guys have been married at least 25 years? Raise your hand. Okay. Now, 
did you know her as well 25 years ago as you do today? <laughs> One, okay. Uh, okay, we'll look for his face to have bandages on it tonight, okay? But uh, uh, now, now, we got to know the person so much more over the years. And by the way, that's how love grows. Because infatuation is not love. Love grows by a commitment to the person. Love grows with Christ by a commitment to Christ to do His will. You don't work your way to heaven, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. No one in this auditorium or under the sound of my voice is going to earn heaven. You come to Him just as you are, and let Him come in. He's Lord. He changes you. He makes you what you want to be, but what He wants you to be. Whatsoever, uh, we're reading 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. The moment of salvation is the beginning to grow in the knowledge of God, because now you have His Spirit, the very moment you receive Him. But as many as received Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which were born. Uh, not of blood. You're not born, well, my parents were saved, so I'm saved. No, not of blood. Nor the will of the flesh. Man, I really want to be saved, so I'm going to just go out and do this. I'm going to do that good work. Nor the will of man. Oh, well, you know, men have told us, you know, if I'll do the best I can. Men have told me this. Men have told me if, I, if I'll get down and do this. Oh, if I'll just do that. No. Jesus said in the same chapter of our text, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. So I'm going to ask two questions today, one for the saved. For you that are saved, how well do you know him? If what's going on in our country began to affect our church, where there were threats, I mean, to be quite honest with you, when I saw just two or three years ago or more, when people over in those Muslim countries had their children brought out before them said you accept Allah as your God, you accept Islam or we kill your children. And they slaughtered their children in front of them that would not do that. Is their faith greater than ours? But on the other hand, I asked another question. You may not be sure that if you die today that heaven's your home. And yet the Lord said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. But he also said in John chapter 6, you come to him, he will in no wise cast you out. Repent ye therefore, Acts 3.19, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when those times of refreshing shall come from the Lord. Listen, conversion, conversion is a change of life. 
but you're letting the Lord change your life. You're obeying and you're walking with Him. So, if your life ended today, are you 100% sure heaven is your home? And if you are saved, if the rapture took place today, would you appear before him saved so as by fire, ashamed, or confident? And you'd hear, well done, good and faithful servant. What would it be? You can ignore the questions now, but one day you will give an answer. Let's bow our heads, please.